Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. There's only one of us on TalkZone.com, but we have two introductions today, so that all evens out. This is Joel Redwanski, the coach. We'll be back on Monday. Last day of his vacation, and his vacation right now consists of him painting his basement and, and, and getting some uh, water damage out, so it's not exactly a good vacation. David Olson, he'll be driving the show with me. I do appreciate this. is two guys in the mic. Joel Redwanski got plenty to talk about today. National League Baseball preview, little news of the weird. The draft is coming up. I want to talk a little NFL draft. We've got plenty to talk about. 888-463-6748. Two guys in the mic. I would be saying a lot more, but there's nothing like this music to get me fired up every single morning. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Two guys in a mic. This is Joel Radwanski, and whew, I gotta tell you something. Uh, this morning, I normally ride my bike, David downpour didn't do it luckily i've got a, a very good girlfriend she threw the 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 bike in the back of the uh, of the family truckster or dad's car next thing you know i'm i'm at the station extremely dry i was extremely lucky and i gotta be honest i don't want to get into the like the toilet humor so i'm going to try to keep this as as easy as possible last night i went out to a buffalo wings and rings uh, it's like the new bw3 and, and i gotta tell you something it's uh the food is actually better in BW3. The particular one I go to, I tend to have waiters or waitresses, you know, that aren't exactly, I would say, uh, you know, getting me my, my stuff real quick. Now, I, I got uh, David Olson is all up in a fuss here. It's all good. Oh, I, I kicked out the camera, so now we are no longer on air, which is probably luckily. Well, they can't see me, which is probably a good thing because I'm definitely not the, the best looking man in the world. and I, I haven't shaved all week, but. So I'm in Buffalo Wild Wings. No, excuse me. I, I messed that up. I'm in Buffalo Wings and Rings. Thank you very much. That's. Uh, I'm sure people that are uh, like watching the webcast right now are probably disappointed that they have to look at me. Uh, watching the, the, the Hawks take on the St. Louis Blues last night, and I, I'm like, it's rem, it reminds me that, you know, in hockey there are some pretty big rivalries uh, that it doesn't have to be in the playoffs to, to take advantage of. Now, St. Louis does have the best record in the Western Conference. Uh, Hawks right now sitting in, uh, in, in sixth place. And basically, as long as you're in, in hockey, that's all that really matters. Cause let's face it, home ice advantage in hockey, the home ice advantage is one of the most overrated things in sports. It seems like the, the road teams win just as much as the home teams do on the road. End up going into a, a shootout last night. The, the Hawks end up getting a victory, but so I'm at B, Buffalo Wings and Rings. Now I love hot food, people. I, the hotter, the better. 
I put so much sriracha on my my Thai food. I mean, like people at the restaurants are like, you order the hottest possible, and yet you're putting that. They're like, you're crazy. Well, I, I could always handle it. And everything is good. Well, they have an atomic level, and when I when I ordered it, the guy looked at me. He's like, you know, it's that's some really really hot stuff, and I'm like, it can't be hot enough. You, I can take whatever heat you can bring. The guy's like, okay, I have another hot sauce too that that I'll bring out here if if you think you can deal with it. We don't put it on the menu because we're afraid people might order it, and it would be a liability. So now this piques my interest. You know, I'm like, you know, I have a lot of studying to do. Uh, you know, tomorrow morning I got to do a National League baseball preview. I got to find out, like, is it true? Did Prince Fielder really move to the Tigers? You know, stuff like that. It, unless I was dreaming about baseball the last four months. So, you know, I'll try it out. Well, I started eating the stuff, and honestly, the atomic level wings that they have over at Buffalo Wings and Rings are, are about as hot as anything I've ever ate. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was, she could barely finish them, and she loves hot food. Well, I put on the other stuff. That is, they didn't give me the name of it. Well, it made the atomic level unlike anything I've ever had. I, I have to admit to you, last night, I ate as much as I possibly could, but I got to a level. I have never eaten anything that hot in my entire life. I was breaking out in a sweat. I mean, it was so bad. The sweat was going over my face and cleaning my mouth. It had a bunch of barbecue sauce and hot sauce on it. I have never felt anything like that. The girlfriend had a run in order to make it there. Well, I didn't have that problem. Everything was good, and it was really worried because I ride a bike and take a train to get here every morning. And I knew what was going to happen. And as soon as my girlfriend dropped me off, as soon as I didn't have the ability to go to my own bathroom, that's when the rumbling started. I barely made it here, but all I know is if you go to Buffalo Wings and Rings, the 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 the, the place that's trying to replace Buffalo Wild Wings, and and you think you're a tough guy, I can handle the hottest stuff ever. I was able to do it, but I, I, I'm in like a rare breed. I have to admit, it was painful at one point. We left the the hot wings out for uh, my girlfriend's brother, who got home after uh, a night of carousing on on a Thursday night in in the city of Chicago. He didn't make it. He had one of them, <laughs> couldn't finish it, and, and had to throw the thing out, which was pretty good. So. I started throwing. Th- I never thought I would actually. I, you know, I always see those shows where they're like, "Oh, it's hot, it's hot." And then I've gone to some of those restaurants here in the city of Chicago, and I'm like, "That was nothing." I mean, honestly, I'm. In, well, I learned my lesson yesterday. I, 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 that's. I will only do that again if I'm prepared for a cleansing and a purge of my system. If you know what I'm saying. And it's yeah, yeah. Are you one for the hot stuff, uh, David? Olson? Sometimes, sometimes. I mean, I'm. I'm more a uh, medium hot type person than a hot hot person, mm-hmm. but I do like the spice. Uh, now you know the story about Montezuma's Revenge, right? Yes. Well, uh, Montezuma's Revenge, uh, they actually put a bacteria. Excuse me. Well, when Cortez had had come into Mexico City and and, and basically taken over a, a bunch of different areas of Mexico, uh, well, he took over Montezuma's empire. But instead of fighting. Montezuma was extremely, extremely smart. If anybody's ever seen Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, one of, without a doubt, the best Bruce Lee movie, period. The rest of them are all horrible, except you got this unbelievable actor in the, in the middle of it in a bad movie is basically what they all are. But Enter the Dragon's phenomenal. And there's like a fight scene that's about to happen at the beginning. And one guy's like, they're on a boat. And one guy's like, well, what is your art form? And Bruce Lee says, fighting without fighting. And the guy's like, I, I don't understand. Let's go fight. And Bruce Lee's like, let's go someplace where we have more room. Like on that island. Well, the guy's like, okay. And he gets off the boat onto the little boat. 
and Bruce Lee lets the boat go. And he says, fighting without fighting. And, and, and that's kind of, that, that's kind of how I'm feeling about this particular situation. Now, uh, kind of lost my, my train of thought right there, but, uh, where was I at, David? <laughs> Montezuma's Revenge. Yes, Montezuma's Revenge. That is exactly where I was at. Uh, they actually used, like, a bacteria in order to, uh, let's just say, instead of, Taking on these Spanish warriors with all their gunpowder and stuff. They're like, you know what? You can have the city. And as soon as they got the city, they put a little bacteria in the drinking water and then put like habanero sauce in a bunch of the drinking water too. Let's just say that all these guys got bacteria and then they got fire butt is the best way that I say it. Montezuma's revenge was instead of fighting guys with guns, they decided to take them on with, with hot sauce and bacteria. So something to think about. That was one of the first, not one of the first, well, like the chemical warfare has been going on forever, but Montezuma's Revenge was also aided by habaneros, just just from out there. So if you want to play a trick on anybody, without a doubt, I think habaneros are much better than like violets, you know. And plus, it lasts a little bit longer. So um, that's my trip to Buffalo uh, Wings and Rings last night, which I was lucky to make it. Before we get into the the NF, I mean, excuse, into the it's a Major League Baseball preview, the the, the National League, uh, the the National League football draft is coming up in late April. And every single year, there's some guy who shoots up the charts, not because of his play on the field as a collegian, but because of their stock at the combine or how their pro day went. Every single year, there's a bunch of them. And in some of those times, uh, a gem is plucked out of there, and all of a sudden, there's a good football player in the NFL. Well, the latest guy that has shot up the charts in the in the NFL draft is Ryan Tannehill. He's the quarterback at Texas A&M, and this is an extremely impressive athlete. He played wide receiver at Texas A&M, where I, I forgot the name of the quarterback. It was like Doug Smith. He was he wore number one. He was a small, real athletic quarterback, or McAfee, I think his name was, at, at Texas A&M. So this guy, backed, Tannehill backed up this guy for three years, but was, was starting at receiver because he was just such a good athlete. Well, he started at quarterback last year. And Texas A&M was extremely inconsistent and in that they lost a few games that I don't think they should. And he impressed people. He's got a huge arm. He's a good athlete. Well, at his pro day, he had one of the greatest pro days that anybody has ever had. It, and basically, he has rocketed up the, the charts. And some guy that people were talking about, well, he's such a good athlete that he'll probably be taken in the first round, like around 20th even though he might not even play for like a year or two because he's not ready to play in the NFL. Well, after this pro day yesterday, people are saying he's going to be the third overall pick because the Vikings, who have the third overall pick, now can trade this because he's that good that somebody's going to want to move up in order to get him because he had a good pro day. Now, you know, having a good combine, a good pro day, it depends on your position. But if you're a quarterback and – you're not having defense, defensive linemen rush at you. You're throwing to your college receivers because that's what pro day is, people. You, everybody at Texas A&M goes out there to, to show their wares for the NFL scouts. It's a great idea, and it, it should be done that way. And I like the idea of like a top-notch quarterback playing with his, his receivers. You can kind of see what type of feel he has. I, I have no problem with that. But all of a sudden, people are talking about, oh, the the – uh, some people are going to start trading up for this guy. Are, are you serious? Just because he he dropped back a couple times, everybody is raving about him. The beautiful thing is there's a, a guy on the NFL Network, and he's like their scouting guy, and he's their color analyst 
during all their football games. Not all their football games, but their lead football games, because sometimes they'll, they'll have two in a day. His name is Mike Mayock. Without question, the greatest of any analysts there is in all of at least uh, college basketball, NFL, and baseball, because I watch those sports and college football religiously. I watch those sports religiously. The, the best analyst of anyone is Mike Mayock. So while you get all these different scouts and uh, writers and uh, quotes about how great Ryan Tannehill is, Mike Mayock, the first thing he says is, the kid's big, he's athletic, his arm is a cannon, and he throws with touch. But I watched the film of what he played last year, and the kid shouldn't be picked in the first round, basically is what he said. So if Mike Mayock is saying it, it's just common sense, people. So it's just the just to let you know the, the guys rocketing up uh, the charts this year in the NFL is Ryan Tannehill. And if you got him with like the 15th pick or something like that, that would be good. But to trust a guy that's played quarterback for one year just because he has all the, the tangibles, the size and the arm and all that, uh, not good. And I watched Texas A&M play, and it was, he threw interceptions, was inconsistent and all that. And I, I, you know, I, I personally, if you just looked at me, I have all of the intangibles of what an NFL wide receiver would be, six foot two, 215 pounds. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think you want me playing wide receiver in the NFL. Just, just thought I'd throw it out there. So Ryan Tannehill's the next one up. All I know is this is an extremely big NFL draft. There's a lot of talent in this one, and it should be a, a real beneficial one for a bunch of teams. And the stories that we're going to get out of this draft are so much bigger than typical, typical drafts, just for the simple fact of, um, the number one pick, Andrew Luck, is replacing what could possibly be the greatest quarterback of all time. Without a doubt, one of the top tens. You can't, nobody, even the biggest Peyton Manning haters cannot say that he's not in the top ten. So when you got a guy like that being replaced with Andrew Luck, and next thing you know, you have the Washington Redskins who have basically given away, uh, all their top picks for this year and next year for a guy like Robert Griffith, who is the Robert Griffith, the third, who is the Heisman trophy winner. And then, uh, the amount of talent, the Matt Cahill, this offensive tackle that's going to the Vikings is one of the best offensive tackles to have come out in years. Like since Orlando pace, he's been rated that high. You have some pass rushers that are just off the charts. This Claiborne kid from LSU, their corner six foot three and runs like the wind. To be honest, I look at him and if you're, if you don't, if you need a franchise quarterback, pretty much no matter what position that you need, you got to take the franchise quarterback. It's football. It took, it took me a very long time to come to that conclusion, but I will finally admit quarterback is that important. But if you're not taking a quarterback, I, I know the Vikings need this Clay, uh, this Cahill kid and it, 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 uh, Matt Cloakett. And, and if you can get a great offensive tackle, that's also huge. But if you can get a cornerback like this Claiborne kid out of LSU, I don't know how he could fall any further than number four. We'll see what we'll see what the Browns do with that. The Browns have been known to um, screw the pooch on on, uh, on draft day. They they've taken a few guys they should have and a few guys they shouldn't have over the years. I don't want to sit here and, and bust on them, but the NFL draft is going to have a bunch of really really good stories through it. So eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight now. When I think about the National League, and as we move to our National League preview, and if you do have any questions, give me a call, uh, 888-463-6748, or any of your predictions. I'd like to know who you think is going to win the – who's going to be the best team in the National League, who are your division winners, a Cy Young Award winner, uh, and MVP. You look at the, the National League this year, this thing is flat out wide open. Now, when I give the uh, the American League uh, predictions last year, or yesterday – 
Yeah, I kind of said the the American League Central is the worst uh, division in baseball. The National League Central is the second worst division in baseball. Uh, but you look at the American League, legitimately, Tampa Bay, New York, Boston. I, I mentioned their holes on yesterday's show. Detroit, the Angels, and the Rangers are all, all World Series contenders, legitimate World Series contenders as, as, as we move into the, the last day of March here and into April tomorrow. Like, like I said, they all had holes, but there's, they're all contenders. You look at the National League. Is there any really strong, dominant team going into, going into the season? And everybody can say the Phillies, and I'm going to have to say, okay, the Phillies have the best rotation in baseball. Uh, they don't have Roy Oswalt this year like they did last year, but last year he was hurt. It didn't really help him that much. But Ryan Howard's going to be out till June 1st. So maybe if he comes back healthy, everything will be okay. Chase Utley, we, they don't know if he's going to play every day. This guy is, Chase Utley is at a crossroads in his career where, you know, either he better make a, a miraculous, uh, you know, heal miraculously, or either he's going to be an every other day player or maybe never produce again. Like a, a guy that hits 315 with 30 home runs and gives you a gold glove level. The, the Phillies are, are in a little bit of, of trouble. So I look around the National League. Nobody in the National League Central has a legitimate shot right now of winning the World Series unless there's moves made or guys that we just don't expect have a ridiculously career year. And then it, when you look over the, the National League West, uh, when I think about it, the, the Giants, yes, they have great pitching. They have Matt Cain. They have Tim Lincecum. And when you have a one-two punch like that, you can get hot, roll through the playoffs, and win a World Series. Heck, they, they did it in 2010. You can't debate that. that. That is a formula. Very good defense. Situational hitters. You know, you don't have to score five runs every single game. But if you can figure out how to push across a run when you're, when your pitcher's out there dominating, you can win playoff games like that. But the Rockies... I, they have a great team on paper. That ballpark will not enable them to win a lot of games. In Coors Field, you just won't be able to do it. The Dodgers are a year or two away. They have the best pitcher in the National League, Clayton Kershaw. They have the best player in the National League, Matt Kemp. There's too many holes early on for them to, to figure it out, uh, win that division, and end up uh, winning a World Series. But you have to admit, I think the, the future of the Dodgers look bright because Clayton Kershaw's 23, I think. He's 23. Uh, Matt Kemp is like 25, 26. These are superstar MVP Cy Young type players where if you can have guys like this as your number one starter and batting third for you and playing gold glove center fielder, center field, you're going to be good. But the Dodgers are, are a year away. The Padres, the Padres are always going to be the Padres. Okay. They'll be able to possibly win a division every once in a while because they'll come up with good pitching and some decent young prospects, but they're never going to be able to keep anybody long enough to actually make a or a team formidable enough to actually contend for a World Series championship. Then you have the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks have done a phenomenal job. They revamped their bullpen last year. Uh, that was my surprise team of the year last year. They're not going to surprise anybody this year. I, I can honestly see them winning that division, but it's going to be it's going to be between them and the Giants, and I'm just going to have to uh, to actually lean towards the Arizona Diamondbacks as compared to the Giants. Just the simple fact that Diamondbacks have an extremely strong lineup, a very good bullpen, decent starting staff. So we'll see how that ends up turning out for them. I just think that their offense, led by Justin Upton, 
yeah, I mentioned Matt Kemp, uh, who should have been the MVP of the, of the NL last year over Ryan Braun. Uh, you know, he's, uh, Matt Kemp's an NL MVP candidate. Well, Justin Upton, folks, he's one of those guys where you, you look at him and, you know, uh, BJ Upton was supposed to be one of the greatest players of his generation, drafted extremely high by the Tampa Bay Rays, and he's ended up being a great defensive player and just one of those guys where you watch him swing and hit. He swings at everything, and he, like, he has no patience. And I swear that hurt Justin Upton and and how he was drafted and how he was brought up. But all I know is this. Justin Upton has all the tools, but unlike his brother, he's putting them all together. Justin Upton has the the ability to to steal 30 bases and hit 50 home runs in a season. That type of power. Drive in 125 runs a couple of years in a row uh, type guy. And, and he's 25, 26. He's in, that, he's in his mid-20s right now, and he's going to have an absolute breakout year. So there's a lot of young talent out in the National League West. Don't forget the Rockies have Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez. It's, that's a loaded division of young talent, but I don't see any World Series contender out in the National League West this particular year, and and I'm going to lean towards the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, for winning the, uh, the division. I go back to the to the National League East now. I started out. I am going to I'm going to pick the Braves in the National League East, and the reason why I'm going to pick the Braves is even though I do think the Phillies would have a better chance of winning the World Series than the Braves would, because if you have Roy Halladay, you have Cliff Lee, you're going to win a lot of baseball games. Their offense is starting to look a lot like the San Francisco Giants people because if if, if uh, Ryan Howard and Chase Utley are going to be out and you're going to depend on players like Dominic Brown to lead you. Now, I could be absolutely wrong, and Dominic Brown is ready to hit 300 with a, you know 120 RBIs this year. I just don't think that he's ready. And for them to be counting on him as one of their big run producers, especially early in the season, the Phillies are going to have to beat a lot of people two to one, three to two early on. Their their pitching better be dominant because their offense looks awfully, awfully bad. Uh, Shane Victorino is probably their best offensive player right now. That the fact that Ryan Howard and, and Chase Utley aren't there, you can't really expect anything out of uh, the rest of the players like the Raul Abanias and all that. So it's going to be extremely, extremely important that Dominic Brown gets hot for the Phillies, and, and I don't see it happening. So one of the best. Pitching staffs in baseball is going to be fighting to get into the playoffs because that National League East is loaded. It's without a doubt the best division in the National League. Uh, the the Mets have no chance to contend in that division. It's uh, New York right now is a small market team. The New York Mets are a small market team. That's it's kind of strange to say that, but they're they're totally cash strapped. They really can't add anybody on. They had to pay out 162 million dollars in the to people, uh, the, a court ruled them liable in the Bernie Madoff case for like, bringing investors in. So they had to pay it out $162 million. They don't have much money now. So they're going to have to depend on David Wright to have a bounce back season. And I would not expect that if I was, uh, uh, if I was a Met fan or somebody drafted in fantasy baseball. Uh, or they got to expect Ike Davis to, to hit a lot better than uh, a second year player who's probably going to be a 290 with 20 home run guy, which isn't bad, uh, they, they'll be way too much pressure on him. The only thing hopefully that will happen in uh, in New York this year will be that Johan Santana uh, coming off shoulder surgery actually pitches well. And he should be in the rotation early on in the season, hopefully even uh, uh, maybe not an opening day, but in the first week of the season. So um, the rest of the division is good now. 
The Miami Marlins always produce young talent. You know through this system, year in, year out, they're going to have some young stud pitcher who's probably six foot eight and, you know, a flamethrower. They're going to have some outfielder and infield that runs like the wind, and they're going to have some, you know, power-hitting uh, stud. Well, they have all that, but they've never added free agents. Well, this year they added a couple free agents. Mark Burley, which is, uh, you know, he's he's not going to be a dominant number one, but they've got a number three pitcher who's going to go 15-11 and 11 for them this year. His ERA is going to be 3.5 and pitch 200 innings. They pay $14 million for that. So uh, if you're a starting pitcher and you're – consistently above average, you make tens of millions of dollars. It's not a bad gig if you if you can get it. Um, obviously, they added Jose Reyes, one of the biggest free agent signings in the offseason. Uh, brings absolutely uh, electricity to the, to the top of the order for the Miami Marlins as they open up their new ballpark. Uh, a, a lot of energy, great defense. I mean, this guy is going to be absolutely phenomenal for the Miami Marlins over the next uh, four years as over the next four years, he'll play 400 games. Just just thought I'd throw that out there. I didn't mean to throw cold water in the face of all Miami Marlin fans, but you just basically bought something that you know is going to be broke. It's like one of those, uh, one of the, like a one of those like small cars that are uh, absolutely phenomenally fast, and you love to drive them. They're always broken in the shop, but th- those few times you did get to drive them, you love them. That's what Jose Reyes is going to be for Miami Marlin fans, and now. Hanley Ramirez, who had the worst season of his career last year for the Marlins, he moves over from short to third base. We'll see how that's going to end up working out. Uh, for the Marlins, it's going to end up being a third-place finish. Now, just to let everybody out there in fantasy and maybe that hasn't been following uh, baseball during the offseason like I have, Giancarlo Stanton is the same guy as Mike Stanton, just just to let you know. He decided to change his name from Mark, excuse me, from Mike to Giancarlo. Now, do you think that's because he lives in in Miami, David Olson? Why does a man go from Mike Stanton to Giancarlo Stanton? It's his middle name. I think I'm pretty sure it's his middle name. He just wants to be called. He says, "I want to be called Giancarlo." It's a cool name, I have to admit. He's six five, dark, tall, good looking guy, about twenty two years old. Has 50 home run power, people. That guy can jack Well, the correct ball. me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there already a Mike Stanton in the major leagues? Yeah, there is. There absolutely yeah, is. That's probably why. Yeah, he was a relief pitcher for the for the Yankees. He's a relief pitcher. He moves around all this. That's yeah. That's that's a good call. That's a good. And Giancarlo, seriously, if if you're 22 years old, uh, he was extremely high draft pick. So he's a millionaire. He's one of those guys. He's not one of those guys that were. Yeah, you feel bad for these guys. You know, he's not like. Making five hundred thousand dollars a year to play to be a rookie playing major league baseball, you know, you got to feel really bad for those guys. But he was a high draft pick, and so he got like the million dollar, the million dollar deal. So uh, to be living in South Florida, six five, that good looking, twenty two, and now he calls himself Giancarlo. I think the Miami Marlins, you know, a lot of times they get insurance on players just to make sure if they get hurt that. They they actually if like just say like uh, Alex Rodriguez gets hurt this year for the for the New York Yankees and they have to put him on the DL if he's on the DL for 15 days and he misses 13 games an insurance company will pay the Yankees his salary during that time but the Yankees have to pay like one or two million dollars a year to actually to to get this insurance policy and it's different for every player. Well, from for uh, Giancarlo Stanton they should have an STD policy. Because it's going to happen to him. 
He's going to miss some time this year, and everyone's going to wonder why he didn't hurt himself in any game. It's going to be post-game some other time. So it's just expect that. That's not a good deal. The Miami Marlins are in a little bit of trouble. They they have the look of a team on paper that is unbeatable. The combustibility of this team is ridiculous. And, oh, oh I, I forgot, who is their manager? Oh, the most combustible person on the planet, Ozzie Gian. Well, the most combustible person on the planet that isn't behind bars. How about that? But, but we don't know yet. The season isn't over. The Miami Marlins are going to be awfully fun to watch this year. If you can stand watching them, folks, they've changed their uniforms. They're butt ugly. Okay. I understand you know, people are going away from the traditional colors, the blues, the reds, the greens, and they're going to, like, the aquos and the emeralds and the forest, whatever the the new variations of colors. But if when, if you haven't seen the Miami Marlin uniforms yet, uh, expect to be insulted when when your eyes hit them. Isn't that crazy? If you're you looking at, I, li- I like the turquoise. You like the turquoise? I liked when they had the turquoise. Yeah, oh, they, oh, you like the old ones as opposed to the new oh, ones? The, yeah, the new ones, the red and the dark blue and the. It doesn't. They're like trying to. I know they're getting a new park, but I bet when you walk into that park, it's going to have the feeling of a nightclub in downtown Miami. Do you know what I mean? Because they're trying to make they're they're trying. They said it matches their park. Well, you know what? I mean, their new logo uh-huh. looks like the gay pride flag. It, I'm sorry, it, it does. does. It does. It's. I have nothing against that. You can do what you want, but to be honest with you, for your sports team, let's not make a. Who knows? This might end up being the subculture team of America. I'm not the first. I'm, I'm glad you said it, not me, because I, I wanted somebody else to say it. Because I was trying to, impl- I was going to imply that's exactly what I was trying to imply that they're trying for a specific segment of America. Because let's face it, they've never drawn in Miami. But the reason why they always said the reason why they didn't draw well in Miami is because of the rain delays. That's why. Well, that and you're sitting outside in Miami in the summertime, and mm-hmm. that's brutal. And now they have a dome. So supposedly. People, you want to come in? I forget what they're calling. I don't know what it's what, what it's called yet, but it, it looks pretty cool. And suppose it'll help their attendance. It can't hurt it because you're talking about an organization that is consistently drawn about ten thousand, ten thousand a game. But even though I, I I don't predict like the Miami Marlins to be horrible, I don't predict them to be great. But uh, they're going to be an awfully lot of fun to watch this year. So. I'm pretty excited to see what happens down in Miami. They have a lot of talent. I don't think it's going to end up with them winning this year. We're going to end up seeing that. I'm not exactly sure, but we're going to end up finding out that. So um, uh, now, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I had a cough there. Now, if you move on up, there's a couple other teams in this division that I actually think are going to challenge for it, the Braves and the Phillies. So it's going to be a battle between them. The Braves are absolutely loaded with young pitching. So if they can continue to advance like they did last year, Tommy Hansen and the like, and if Tim Hudson can continue to have another phenomenal season as old as he is, the Braves are going to end up contending. I'm going to keep on talking National League preview. I'm going to head out onto the phone lines, and we're going to head on to a guy by the name of Zax. What's up, Zax? How are you doing today? Yeah, what's going on, brother? I'm doing – oh, it's Bevax. What's up, yeah, my friend? Yeah, you've got to tell Coach I was calling again. You're, you're making me look crazy. <laughs> there, There is a glare on the window. It's my fault, my friend. It's my fault. Now, we're going to talk a little NBA with you. That's what we're yeah, going to end up doing. Uh, there was a glare on the window, and I thought it said Zach's. I was like, there was BVAX. You're absolutely my man. So, now, of all the people that I know that are NBA outsiders, there is none bigger than my man BVAX. Now, uh, not I only – I am on the outside, too, sir. I am. <laughs> 
Well, the beautiful thing is you might be on the outside, but every single day, well, not every day, but a lot of the days over your past 10 years, you were running into these NBA players every single day, especially if they were Nike athletes. That is correct. And, and you're also a musician. And, and I do know a lot of the, the NBA players follow the hip-hop clubs. And you can find Joe Kim Noah at 4 o'clock in the morning at a hip-hop club just sitting in the corner being totally low-key and no one would even know he's in the place. That's true because, I mean, a lot of the guys who go to the club, they, their hair looks like Joe Kim. So, you know, <laughs> you, you, it's hard to really tell and decipher which one is which. Yeah, but before so, I... Before I get into the, the NBA stuff with you, uh, just uh, just let everybody know out there how they can listen to your music because uh, uh, uh does more than just watch NBA games. He actually produces music, and it's good music. You don't talk about how you have uh, your rims spin faster than somebody else, how your girlfriend has a bigger <laughs> butt than the other guy, even though I guarantee she does. There's nothing wrong with that, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> time and place, time and place. Unfortunately, this time and place in my life, I choose not to talk about those things in my music. Okay. Uh, pretty easy to listen to. You can go to either ReverbNation.com okay. or, you know, iTunes. Everybody knows iTunes. Just go iTunes and then type in the simple letters B-V-A-X, and I will pop up. Or, you know, Bandcamp. So several outlets, or as Shaq would say, Google me. <laughs> if, you, if you Google me. You know, as fun as that sounds, it's not that fun. You know, it isn't. I, I, when I used to say that, yeah, yeah, a girl Googled me yesterday. She told me that. It's exactly. not as fun. It's just not it, a... it sounds fun, but, it, it, you know, it's, it's not just – if you Google me, everything will pop up. Reverb Nation, uh, I DJ as well. Mix Crate, you can hear several mixes that I've done. You know, did a Michael Jackson mix last year that mm-hmm. a lot of people liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, new Edition mix. For like some of the '80s babies, they enjoyed that. So you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Working on some new stuff now. Just came from a, a mini tour as well. Did South by Southwest down in Texas. Damn. Uh, no, no, kind of interesting. No, a, a hip hop tour in Texas. Yep. A hip hop tour in the South. We went to. Uh, well, first we went to Kansas City. You know, mm-hmm. which I didn't know Missouri was as southern as it was when I got there. I thought it was more Midwest like us. Oh, no, no, no. You don't know. No. Hold on a second. The It's I-80. As soon as you go south of I-80, as soon as you hit Kankakee, Illinois, you are now in the south of America. And I'm not ripping on anybody. Yeah, I got a lot true. of friends down it's there. True. But it's different as soon as you cross. Now, as soon as you enter St. Louis, then you're back into the metropolitan area. You know, but I'm, I'm not kidding. It's it's south as soon as you go past I-80 in the, in the United States. You got that right, brother. I mean, I, I got there all of a sudden. You know, the teeth became golder. You know, the the speech became slower. <laughs> Just the whole nine. I mean, but nice people. You know, they they were definitely genuine. Didn't have any trouble at all. You know, there were talks of if we go through Kentucky, we might get stopped. You know, a van full of rappers and DJs. But, you know, we didn't have any trouble at all. You know, did Atlanta as well. Atlanta was nice. Texas. And then, you know, ended up in Detroit, which, you know, was a a sharp contrast. (laughs) Completely uh, stark contrast. I mean, Detroit is is basically, it's all African-American. It's all Muslim. And then the suburbs are all the people that used to live in Detroit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if I lived in Detroit, I'd be Muslim too. <laughs> you need allies to survive out there, brother. Uh, it, it, it's all good. Well, yeah, Detroit right now, uh, I, I, w- I was writing about that the other day. It's rad. I was trying to find a, a job in Detroit is extremely 
extremely difficult at this point. It's like 25% unemployment. Like it's, I don't know if it's that high, but it's like ridiculous. It's really high. high. Same yeah. with the, the housing market. I mean, I guess they say you can get a house in Detroit for like fifty, sixty thousand dollars. No, they have, they have like this. There's a squatting program. I forget the exact name, but right now in Detroit, there are so many abandoned homes that if you're willing to invest in redoing the home up, Right. They will just give it to you. You can just right. get a home in Detroit if you if you have like ten grand and can invest into taking care of it. It it, it lasts like eight years. You got to live there for eight years, and when the eight years are up, you get the house. That's how bad right. Detroit's housing market is right now. They're they're hoping they get people that want to take care of a home into a neighborhood, and 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 that's eight years though. You know what that's like? That's like if you spend the night in this haunted house and survive. You'll get a million dollars. Well, okay, okay. Yeah, and Detroit's a little different. You're exactly right. But if you are down on your luck and you have the ability to fix up a house, maybe you don't even need the money. If you get like, you know what, it's good enough for me to move in and, and then I have a base that I can do something up. I think it's a good idea. It's better than just, hey, let's just let this community rot. They're actually yeah. encouraging people to squat. And yeah. you know what? Maybe you're, and you know what? What if they only, they lived there for four years? They fix up the house, but they live there for four years. They don't make it for the four years. Well, you know what? All it was the cost of fixing up the house for them to live at a place for four years. So it's a strange way to think about it, but you know what? Who knows? Maybe that's a that might not be that might be happening in more places than just Detroit. The way uh, the way our economy is going right now. But I don't want to. Let's not worry about that. Let's worry about the good things in life. Back. Exactly. That that's another story. You know, <laughs> I, I agree. Now, I agree. Now you are my you're my eyes and ears for the, the for the basketball world. And up until Sunday night of this week, I have basically followed the Bulls religiously. I haven't had a television in front of me for the last four days. But before this, going into I don't I to be honest to be honest, Vax, I really don't care if people are like, oh, the Bulls are going to win the championship. All the analysts and all that. Because to be honest right. with you, I want them to lay in the weeds as a diehard Bulls fan. All I care about is the result. I don't care about them saying, hey, they're so great. I really don't care about that, but I am kind. I, agree. Of, I, I don't. Don't you feel it kind of weird? And maybe I'm wrong. You tell me if I'm wrong about this. It seems like every time analysts talk about the finals, and especially last week when uh, the Heat and the Thunder took on each other, oh, this is right. the finals preview. These are the teams. It's the Heat in the and the Thunder in the finals. Has anybody noticed that there are other teams in the NBA besides the Heat or the Thunder? And if the last time I checked, the Bulls had the best record in the NBA by three games, and every single night they bring it. They never lose a game. Well, I don't know about the Denver game. I didn't. I didn't watch that one. The Denver game, they 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 kind of they must have went out the night before because oh. they were kind of kind of like there. You know what's weird about the Denver game is right before the Denver game, they asked D Rose. They said, "So are you worried? Are you anxious to come back?" And of course, you know, in fact, classic D Rose fashion. He was like, "Well, you know, I'm 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 anxious to come back. I want to play with my teammates." But, you know, they're playing fine. They're, you know, we're winning games. We're going to keep on winning. I'm not worried about it. And as soon as you said that, they lost. <laughs> I'm just like, maybe, maybe you shouldn't talk anymore, Derek. Just be quiet because, you know, you cursed those guys that night by saying that. How did you get him on the airwaves, too, by the way? How did you get Derek Rose here that fast? Because that was not an imitation. That was too good for you to actually – you're a rapper. You're not a Derek Rose imitator. And if you are – that, that you might want to change that might end up people might end up listening to your music more if you could they hear your Derek Rose imitation. Well, you gotta understand, you know, I I'm from Chicago, B Vax is from Chicago. I like rap music, he does rap music. 
It's pretty simple. I, I don't even really like doing interviews. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> now, uh, what did you tell what did you tell your mama the day that uh, you signed the ninety five million dollar contract, D Rose? I basically looked behind her and I said, "Mama, we finally made it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. Honestly, yeah, yeah you know, we're having a little fun with, with D Rose here. Um, oh yeah, that's my man, Fifty Grand. Derek is he's he, he is exact. He is like a dream player. I mean, you talking about a kid that came from nothing. Yes, that came up out of the same city that he plays yes. in. Humble. Yes. MVP. Generally wants to win. Yes. When he lost last year. Against the Heat, you could see the pain on his face. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, well, I lost. I guess I'll go lay in my millions of dollars. It wasn't even like that, man. He doesn't even really care about the money. Mm-hmm. Either he looked like somebody had, had slashed his face. He was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, it, he couldn't believe it. Yeah, if I love the fact you brought up the fact that he's humble. I love yeah. the fact you brought up that he he's from the city of Chicago. So us Chicagoans are just like, wow, this is so awesome. In the yeah, offseason. It's a dream. I can't. You're exactly right. We are so lucky to have Derrick Rose as the yeah. leader of the Chicago Bulls. Not only is he the best point guard in the league, I, I don't, don't want to get in the whole best player right now. I, who cares right. about all that? All I know is we have an unbelievable leader. The guy works every year to get better. Every single offseason, he improves his game. And I mean, think about D. Rose from three years ago who would just defer to Ben Gordon, was kind of mm-hmm. like callous or kind of nervous about, you know, taking a shot until mm-hmm. now. Now he's aggressive. He's mm-hmm. developed a three-pointer. You know, I mean, he'll pass. I mean, the, he, the, he, when he comes down the lane, you don't know what's going to happen. And, and defensively. Uh, he defensively, does. He, he's he, picked up his game amazingly. He, he does pick and choose his spots. But I don't mind that he picks and chooses his spots defensively because he runs the offense. And I can't even imagine how much energy it takes to be the type of point guard that uh, to run the Thibodeau offense. But still, yeah, when when yeah. they need a stop, Derrick Rose is there. He is nails when they when yeah. they need a stop, and yeah. you, and the idea that the our favorite player, our number one player, is the guy you don't have to worry about bringing a gun to the you don't have to worry about him getting a uh, DUI or <laughs> exactly. Any, I, I I don't know if he does any of that type of stuff. I don't know if he's like live a perfectly clean life, but I'll guarantee you one thing: he well, will never no, be arrested for any of it. So right, but if he does, he keeps it very very low key. Yes, which you should, you and, know. Thank, thank God for his mother. I and, mean, because she raised a smart young man. And that that was going to be my last point, Bvax. He doesn't have 18 cars to feed. He lives at home with his mom, and he's paying for his brother's kids' education, his sister's education. He lives at home with his mom. He does have yeah. like an apartment. <laughs> he does have an, he does have his own apartment, so he can get away. And heck, he's he an just MD. got that though. He yes. just got it. And, he didn't get it right out the gate. Uh-uh. He waited. You know, a few years, and then he's like, okay, I guess I can get my own place now. And, and, you, know, <laughs> and, and you know what I want to happen? And I know D. Rose is smart enough, but let's face it, everybody in Chicago is going to want a piece of that kid, right? Uh, yeah, without question. Do you know the Starlin Castro incident with the Chicago Cubs this year? Just, I'm not familiar enough. Just to let you know, by the way, it's a, before when I'm telling this story, I just want to remember, there were no charges pressed. Okay, just but the first night of the year that his mom and dad did not stay in his apartment, and they went back to the Dominican Republic the first night, Vax. He met a girl at a bar. It was, it was a Sunday night. Brought her back to her house, to his house, to his house, excuse me. And according to the story, which we've said on these airways, this is all this has been leaked, so I'm not telling anything new. Things were starting to progress. 
The girl drank way too much. She passed out. Starlin Castro stopped, and he's like sitting there. He's like, all right, okay, whatever. All of a sudden, she wakes up and sees Starlin Castro in his underwear. She freaks out, oh, oh, and she runs out and goes to the police and presses charges saying that she was sexually assaulted by Starlin no. Castro. Okay. She Well, she tried to. They looked into it, and they were like, okay, so did he detain you there? No. What happened? Well, I woke up, and he was there, and I ran out of his apartment. Were your clothes on? Yes. And then everything came out, and it was just basically some girl trying to take advantage of Starlin Castro. It was the first oh. night his parents didn't stay with him. I just hope Derek Rose knows that. You know what I mean? People, yeah. 99% of the people will love him because he's Derek Rose. They'll never do anything to hurt him. But right. 1% when you're Derek Rose means that you run into about a 1,000 people a day. 10 of them are out to get you. At least 10. At least. Yep. So yep. that's, I just thought I thought. So now I throw it out there. I just want your thoughts. On, on, on the Chicago Bulls and the NBA so far in this strike shortened, excuse me, lockout, lockout shortened season, 66 game season. You know what, what's funny is, uh, I'm watching the games and I'm saying to myself, I'm saying to self, <laughs> I said, maybe this shortened season was not that bad of an idea because if, if the guys start in November, mm-hmm. by now they're burned out. They're mm-hmm. just ready to get to the playoffs. I mean, they look like they're, everybody looks like they're burned out now. Yeah, they do. They do. Like, it, it's hilarious. People are just like, oh my, like, oh, it's been such a long season. No, it hasn't. <laughs> you started Christmas Day. It has not been a long season, but it feels like it. Uh-huh. So, I mean, maybe they might want to consider actually chopping it back you, you, you know, next year because they're playing what? 60 games this year? No, they're playing 66. And, uh, 66 for, opposed to 82? W- w- so w- whether you or I as a fan like that, there is zero possibility that it happens because. Oh, I know. Yeah, because because first of all, for for uh, let's go to the to the happy part of it, to the we we love basketball part. There's traditionalists like me who like to be like, oh, there's only been one person ever score four thousand points in the season. There's only been Wilt Chamberlain right. and Michael Jordan ever get thirty three thousand points in an eighty two game season. You know, blah blah right. blah. I, I love doing all that. I love comparing Oscar Robertson to Jordan to Magic. And you can do that with 82 games. So nerds and computer geeks like me that love right. the stats, we wouldn't like that. And let's just face it, who controls the game? Not the fans, not the players. Who controls the not game? At all. 30, not at all. 30 owners control the game. They're not giving up 11 dates to let those guys run up and down the court. Think, no, they are not. <laughs> the, uh, average, average attendance not at all. Average attendance in the NBA. The Bulls are like twenty-two thousand. The average attendance is about eighteen thousand a game. Eighteen thousand average yep. ticket. Average yep. ticket is a hundred a game, and that's probably low end people. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one point eight million dollars. Okay, plus concessions. They're making three million dollars a basketball game. No owners handing away thirty million dollars. It's not going to happen. Not at all. So they've already given up enough money. Mm-hmm. So they definitely will not do that again. Uh, that's that's not going to happen. So, but you you have liked the shortened season though, is what you're trying to tell me. It's, you know what? Honestly, it hasn't been that bad for me. At first, it was kind of like, oh, I wish they would play. This is agonizing. Uh-huh. Now that it was kind of short, it's like, oh. Doesn't feel that long. That's well, good. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of instead they used to have fourteen games in a month. Now they have sixteen. That two extra games, that one that game, two. yeah, that one game extra every two weeks is awesome. Yeah. 
So I, that's, and that's what I'm liking too is the fact that I'm. It feels like I'm seeing more basketball. I know it's wearing the guys down, but I feel like I'm seeing more. Like every night, I can turn mm-hmm. on the TV and there's a game on. So especially I, if you have NBA TV, you know. So, oh, uh, the, the NBA TV. I tell Coach, who my co-host, everybody that's that's normally here with us doing two guys and a mic. Uh, yeah, right. I tell him all the time. NBA TV is so good. You put NBA TV on at eight fifteen. Whatever the closest game in NBA is on at the time, you'll see the last four minutes of all these games. And then you can exactly. go away, and then you watch it from 8.15 to 9.15, and then you go away, and then between like 10.30 and midnight, you can see the finish of every close game. I'm, I'm a freaking junkie when it comes to NBA TV. <laughs> you do. Like, and then they have that one show called, I believe it was uh, Round Table or Round It Up or whatever. It's like Barkley and mm-hmm. Steve Kerr, Steve Smith, Reggie Miller. Yeah, it's a great show because all they do, it's like you're sitting in the living room with like NBA All Stars, Hall of Famers, and they just talk about their lives back yes. in the day. Yes, you know, and uh, and all of them had a Jordan story. My favorite one was Steve Kerr. They Steve. Oh Kerr, yeah, let's hear this one. The, yeah, he was like, I was on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and my coach said, "Hey, go out there and guard number 23." And you remember how Steve Kerr used to be before he really yes. stood. He was slow, goofy, well, no, you know, he, little. He was always know. he was always slow and unathletic. He he could just shoot, and he played exactly. smart defense. He played, but he, but he was a little more scared back then. Yes, <laughs> you know, he, he got some he got some confidence after the years went on. But uh, he goes out there, and of course Jordan, who hated Cleveland, he comes up there to guard Mike, and Mike says to him, "Hey, watch this." Palms the ball in his face, goes around him, dunks on him, and runs past him, and says, "I told you to watch." Kurt says he's running back down the side of the, the, the court, and he says to his coach, how the, am I supposed to guard this guy? Yeah, yeah, why would you, does that make any sense? To put, None. Are you just basically going to be like, all right, Bulls, take two points with a layup every single time we go down the court? <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you that's like putting up no effort whatsoever. None. It's like, really, Steve Kerr? I, I, I mean, I guess he, he didn't know any better. You know how. Cleveland was Cleveland hated Mike Mike hated Cleveland, uh-huh. so they went back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just abuse. I mean, it's just like <laughs> right, what is the... <laughs> and that, you know, and that happened. You know, mind you, like eighty eight, eighty nine, when Kerr first got into the league, maybe ninety. You know, first got into the league, and you know, young Mike was vicious. Oh, I mean, yes. older Mike was vicious too, but young Mike was just he wanted to embarrass you. Older Mike just wanted to win and score on you, fade away. Jump shot, whatever. Young Mike, young Mike was just mean. <laughs> okay, and and, and 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 let's face this: the coach at that time. Do you know who the coach was of the Cleveland Cavaliers during the time he was there? He was. A, he's, it's a pretty decent coach. His name is Lenny Wilkins. I think Lenny yeah, Wilkins. Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, true. What did, he had to do it for disciplinary reasons. He had yeah. to have been mad at Kerr for some reason. Or he wanted to break him in, or something. <laughs> you know, he, he maybe wanted to teach him some kind of lesson, something. Or maybe he was mad at the GM for drafting him. It was like, hey, GM, yeah. look at what you watch. Watch what happens. Expressway <laughs> Twenty Five, Steve Kerr. <laughs> Exactly. Look what happens when I put him on Michael Jordan. Look, look what I. If you think what he did to Craig Elo was bad, look what he's doing to him. <laughs> See, I told you not to draft this kid. You know, but thank God, Curry, you know, went on and had a, a great career. Oh yeah, he without a doubt, he was a shot maker. Five championships, three with the Bulls, two with the Spurs. You know what? Yep. Not a bad job. The guy played. He played twelve minutes a game. 
and he yep. would just come in when uh, the other shooter for the other team came in. He would run on the court and outshoot the other shooter. And then they would I have to. The years he played with the Bulls, he was leading the league in three point shots. When, when uh, in in ninety five, ninety six, at that point in that at that point in history, the Bulls had the greatest player ever, Michael Jordan. They had the yep. the greatest all around player in the game at the time, Scottie Pippen. They had the yep. greatest player ever from Croatia at the time, and Tony Kukoc. They yep. had the, the greatest player in Canadian history, Bill Wennington. They had the greatest yep. Australian player ever. Until this, not not anymore. But at that point, Luke Longley, right? They had the highest three point shooter in the history of the NBA, Steve Kerr. They had yep. they had the best interview of a guy with a stutter, Ron Harper. They had the best of everyone. <laughs> yeah, and arguably the greatest rebounder ever. Yes, Dennis Rodman. Yes, the, the greatest non seven foot rebounder in the history, Dennis Rodman, Judd Bushler. The greatest volleyball player outside of Wilt Chamberlain in the history of the NBA. <laughs> Am I missing anybody? I, the, oh, forget the, the, the best old man on the team, Robert Parrish, the chief. Yeah, and, and you know, by the way, if everybody they call him the chief because that's another term for smoking weed. Just, yeah, yeah, okay. I know. Uh, just because he was a mean dude, no, because he he smoked yeah, he a lot. Like of weed. Indian, no. And, and Not don't for that reason. Don't forget that they also had the world's tallest and world's best babysitter, Jack Haley. If, if I missing anybody on the team, I mean, honestly, everybody had like an incredible niche. That team legitimately was full of just like guys that had a role, and they weren't just a role player; they were phenomenal role players. Yeah, so, agreed. Yeah, I, agreed. Agreed. I don't, I don't know why I brought that up, but okay. So hey, now, now, if we get more in Chicago, we're talking the NBA. Speaking if, of NBA, and speaking of Robin, it looks like Robin's in a little bit of trouble too. Uh, yeah, he owes eight hundred eight thousand dollars worth of child support to one woman, fifty thousand to the other, and the one woman he owes eight hundred eight thousand to, I don't feel so bad for. She has seventeen thousand dollars in expenses raising her child, her two children. Get your act together. $17,000. What exactly are you doing with this kid? Uh, I mean, she, painting them in gold or something. That's ridiculous. Seventeen thousand dollars to me sounds like she's getting her hair done, her nails done, her car payment, her insurance, and don't forget get paying for her boyfriend on the side that, eight, every day yeah that's that's ridiculous now we yeah, get back to the nba because uh just just throw it out there uh who's the mvp is it lbj or is it durant or is there somebody else well you know what i me, me personally mm -hmm. I, I wish it could be d rose again but d rose has been so injured yeah but i'm going to go honestly with uh with durant this year okay like if you're looking at the Thunder, you're looking at a team that's consistent, that's taking the number one spot in the East or the West, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. taking the shine away from great teams. If you look at the West standings, the West standings are so tight. Yes, it's not yes. Even funny. Between like two to nine. Between all of them. Two to nine yeah, is nine. like four games. It's like four games exactly. between two the Clips, the Lakers, uh, Utah, Denver, Memphis, San Antonio. But OKC is like I think twelve games ahead of all those guys. Uh, yeah, they're, without, they're yeah. Without Durant, they're not doing that. Uh, th that team is. They've got a couple superstars on it: James Harden and Michael Westbrook, yeah. Serge Ibaka. Yeah. The, a very a lot of role players on that team. It's an excellent, excellent team. Now, uh, Vax, uh, uh, as we wrap this up, we're heading out right now. We got you got a minute. Are the Bulls going to win the NBA championship? If not, who is? Uh, the Bulls will win the NBA championship this year. Okay. Uh, because even though the Heat is good, 
the Heat, they only have great one-on-one players. They still haven't learned how to play zone defense. They still can't play half-court ball. Now, if you get them on the break, the Heat are unstoppable. They're the best team in the league doing that. So all the Bulls have to do is not turn the ball over against them, then it sounds like. Not turn the ball Mm -hmm. over and keep playing that half-court like they do so well, Mm -hmm. and they can win. They can can outshine them. Their bench is better than uh, OKC's. I'm sorry to say that, but it is. You know, so I, I think the Bulls can win it. And you get Derrick Rose, who, in my opinion right now, is resting. Yes. I think Arnold yes. Rose is as hurt as he's – because he's, I think he's doing the, the Phil Jackson. Let's let these guys play and see what happens. Yeah, and he like Bill Cartwright never played the month of January under Phil Jackson. Uh, Vax, you got it. Vax, I, I love the expertise. You did phenomenal. Don't forget to Google BVAX. He'll love it. <laughs> find him on iTunes. Find him on all that stuff. Love your NBA expertise. And to the and to the NL preview, I gave you all the teams that I had. Don't forget. Braves. Yeah, you did. Braves, Cubs, Diamondbacks. All right, everybody. We'll be back, and Coach will be in studio next week. Thank you, BVAX. Thank you, David Olson. Thank you to all the callers this week and all the listeners. I absolutely love you. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. I'm Two Guys and a Mike.